Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ask the CEO with Avraham Gantile. Today, I'd like to introduce a very special guest. He's the founder and CEO of Ashman.io in Stuttgart, Germany. It is my pleasure to welcome Mirko Ross. Welcome, Mirko. Yes, hi, it's a pleasure to be in your show. Yes, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. This is your second appearance on Ask the CEO. So, Mirko, um, as we know, you're a cybersecurity expert working in the field of cybersecurity. Not a day goes by where we don't hear about one data breach or another or one ransomware attack or another. Uh, what concerns me very greatly about all this is that with the prevalence of IoT and industrial IoT, uh, we're putting all these connected devices all over the place. And some of these devices were not manufactured with security in mind. Um, tell us a little bit about the lay of the land. What are, what are some of the challenges that the industry faces? Yeah, first of all, uh, you said some of the devices and maybe it's the majority of the devices, unfortunately. If we put all I, I was the, being nice. <laughs> yes, if we put all the consumer goods uh, inside this um, IoT space, we see that there are really millions of devices. And when we had in 2016 the first IoT botnet, which was the Mirai botnet, um, everybody in the industry was rather aware that it was... I mean, so easy to build this botnet, including millions of devices, based upon was about more, a little bit more than 70 standard passwords, which could be used to access the administration level of the Wi-Fi module. That's the way uh, why I'm working with Ashwin for a better future in the IoT. And just to drive the message home, um, you know, some of these uh, IoT devices were being hacked to mine bitcoins or, like you said, uh, the botnet to, uh, to converge on, on a computer to, do, to carry out certain attacks. So if these devices are so easy to hack and take over, what can we do about it? I mean, they're all over the place. You can't just bring them all back and fix them. No, obviously not. There are, I mean, this is a, even a difficult answer because there are a lot of devices out there which will be out there and unsecured forever and ever and ever. Uh, this would be a question of the life cycle of these devices uh, when they will disappear as a threat from this landscape. Um, on the second point, what we can do is, uh, first of all, I think there are some some things already has happened. For example, in California, there was uh, this IoT bill, uh, which forces vendors that you have to change the standard passwords on, on, on consumer devices. I mean, this is just removing uh, a, a big attack vector on these devices. And uh, this will really help. And even, for example, in Europe, we have this kind of cybersecurity framework act, which will help to standardize to the standardization on cybersecurity. And also this will force the industry to keep an eye on the security level of their devices. Currently, um, there are no big incentives if you are a vendor for devices to make them really secure. But this will change for sure, because um, for example, due product liability, what will happen if you are getting harmed because your IoT device was not secure. Normally say, well, that's not a problem if my toaster is not secure, I don't care. Uh, but what if when your toaster was just uh, 
backdoor to introduce to to introduce the attackers to your smart home, and this will maybe actually. Um, you know, from the cybersecurity perspective, think about financial institutions where if you're vice president of a bank and you have a smart toaster and now you're bringing your laptop home to do your work, that smart toaster is a hopping point into your company's network and potentially sensitive data. Yeah, so and even more, think like your smart home is member of a smart building and your smart building is a member of a smart city. So what we see is that a single entry point for attackers, they can just level up inside the systems and then they are getting or approaching certain level of this kind of smart systems where they can really make huge damages. So, he, um, so here's the deal. Manufacturers are forcing people to change passwords in order to make devices more secure. But as you know, just like the good guys have AI, the bad guys have them too. And attacks like these are just going to evolve and become much more sophisticated. What can we do in order to protect ourselves from this evil AI and secure our devices and secure our networks? Certainly there's gotta be some way to go out there to that smart street lamp or, or that smart plug, which is behind a six ton air conditioner unit in a factory and secure it. How do we, how do we update those devices in order to secure them against the latest threats out there? First of all, you said update the devices and that's the right point. Uh, because what we see is like, I mean, it's a complex problem. So there are no easy solutions out there, but we need certain building blocks. One certain building block is, for example, on the user level, like this password issue is a, is, is a user level issue. Uh, but if we take the devices themselves, what kind of software is running on the devices or what kind of vulnerabilities are needed to be closed on the device, it's rather clear that we need a good patch management and update strategy for all these devices out there. There should be no single connected devices which has no ability to be updated. Currently, as I said, there are less incentives for vendors for doing that, but this will change. If we go to the critical infrastructure, there's a clear standardization and certification scheme which is forcing the vendors that they provide updates because it's critical infrastructure. If we go to industry, it's the industrial customers who are forcing their suppliers to provide. That's how it's going to be. And that's how it should be, right? It's, it's, exactly. it's the economics that will drive the security. Exactly. And if we go to the consumer goods, I'm for sure it will be liability. Even if you take the US, I mean, take all this consumer liability stuff, which, uh, I mean, you're doomed into the millions to, to pay millions if you are violating certain liabilities towards consumer safety, for example. So what if your toaster will really harm people because it's getting hacked? And then you're, you're facing really a massive liability. So because of this liability issue, the insurance industry is rather aware of these IoT devices. So what will happen now, even it's an economic question maybe, um, it's like if you want to bring in a consumer IoT product to the market, you're looking for a 
insurance for yourself uh, as a vendor for cybersecurity insurance because you know there's no 100% security in a product. So you want just to get an insurance on this last 1%. Um, if you want to buy this kind of product from an insurance company, they will ask you about your threat landscape. What is the threat landscape of your devices you have shipped out there? What is the risk you are deploying? It's no difference. It's no different than health insurance. Exactly. That's not different to health insurance. So they will ask you, what is your risk? And if you have no answer on your risk as a vendor, you will pay much more for the insurance uh, than if you have a good answer on it. If you say, well, we have no big risk because we have an ongoing patch management and we can over the air update all the devices and we know which of our devices shipped to our customers can be updated or can't be updated anymore. Uh, I think you're getting a good insurance. If you say, well, I don't know. <laughs> well, you have to pay a lot for it or you don't get insurance because so your risk is gone. have your teenage son that work that's uh, living with his buddies in some basement somewhere securing your network that's not going to give you favorable rates no, no 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 i don't think so so this is i think like from the economic side what will happen and will force vendors in future to provide for example an, an update strategy for their devices and the second one of course is what is happening on the regulation side because we see i mean all the regulators are rather aware that IoT is a mess and even they protect the critical infrastructure. And now you see that the consumer goods are a threat for the critical infrastructure as well. So the next, next logical step is how do we can force the consumer goods towards a better product security? And this will be done by regulation because the industry is failing currently on securing the products. So, Mirko, what's the... What is the challenge with uh, patching IoT devices? I mean, you know, can't anybody just do that at home um, or in the factory? Can't you just connect via Wi-Fi and update it? You know, what's, what's the big deal with that? There are several big deals. One big deal, for example, is that a lot of IoT devices are at the edge. So what does it mean? They have no direct IP connection. So they are directed by or connected by um, other radio protocols like Bluetooth or LoRa. So you can't patch them directly. So what you need is the gateway in behind. Uh, so you send a patch to the gateway and then the gateway is distributing the updates to the certain devices via LoRa, um, which is from a technical level completely different to an IP-based patch management. This is, I mean, this is a te technological challenge. Um, the second challenge is often the scale. So if you, if you go through yeah, the IoT devices, you immediately are getting a large scale. They could be hundreds, thousands of them in a factory. A hundred, a hundred thousands, that's, that's right. And I mean, for that, you need an auto automation process because you can't do patching that manually or something like that for a large scale. So just a question how you can organize this kind of patch management in, a, in an automated way. Um, that's for me the two big challenges. And the third, mostly unknown challenges from many because they don't see it, it's the lifecycle management. If we take, for example, an IoT device, which is part of a smart building, 
let's take a blind or a shutter or something like that, like that which is smart, can be controlled by Wi-Fi. I mean, this kind of components are built with a lifetime of 10 years, 15 years inside a building. You can't supply this hardware over 15 years. Uh, because, I mean, after five years, you're running into a situation where the hardware components can't be supplied anymore with, with the software because there's no software available on the market or the hardware is, you know, there are certain micro chips on this, on this component, which, um, I mean, there is, there is the bug, there's the vulnerability. Technology changes very quickly. Te technology is changing quickly. And we are talking about life cycles of 15 years. Can you imagine to patch your smartphone? No, it was not a smartphone. It was a mobile phone 15 years 15 years ago, years ago I had this big... <laughs> So, small cell phone. Exactly. So the challenge here is um, because you can't support this hardware. It's, it's from an economic level, not possible, and even from a technical level. So I think for that, you need to change business models. Like take the blind and shutter. It was just sold um, to you once a time when the building was established. Uh, and then the component is part of the building. But what you need is something like a subscription where certain parts of the components will be replaced every five years to keep the building secure. So the Wi-Fi module or the controlling modules should not be older than five years. So you need a contract with your vendors that you will replace it every five years. Mm. And that's, you know, that's a very interesting point you bring up because right now this is not in place. You know, today Excellent. when, when we're talking in 2019, that is not the model. The model is you buy a product, you install it, and then you move on, you know, they move on to the next sale. So this is a very interesting model, more, almost like hardware as a service. Exactly. I think you, you, for this kind of long life cycle product, you have to move to a hardware as a service model if you want to keep the infrastructure, infrastructure secure. And that's particularly a big shift in the industry, because as you said, they are not used to this kind of models. They're just bringing in, I, would, I mean, they have a blind and shutter and they connect it with the app via Wi-Fi. It's a smart product. Oh, that's what they are thinking about. Um, but they don't think about the impact for the long product lifecycle and even for the business model. So now, Mirko, I know many organizations have smart people there. And, uh, you know, they, they might want to manage everything internally, including, you know, updating their, uh, up updating the software and patching it. What are some of the risks associated with allowing people to just patch uh, their IoT devices? I mean, it's a complex issue. That's the point. People are just like, sometimes they don't see that, this is really a complex issue if you want to make it really safe and secure during the whole process. And as I said, in future, we are stepping into a world where there will be more and more the question of what kind of software was install, installed on a certain component due liability issues. For example, when, let's think about autonomous cars. Um, if an autonomous car will crash, there are immediately there is immediately a question of what kind of software was installed at this car at a certain time of the crash. 
just to find out for liability, was it a failure of the a technical failure of the vendor of the car or what else? You can just shift it immediately also to a smart building. If, um, if, if the building is on fire, there will be the question, was it a software? How did it get on fire? Yeah, was it a software failure in the, in the, in the smoke detector system, in the smart system? Was it a failure in the, in, in the heating or in electric components, whatever? They are all controlled by software. So the question will be, what was the software status? What kind of firmware was particularly installed on all devices in this building uh, in time of the accident? And uh, for that, we need a kind of patching and update system which allows even to find out that this particular software state, like take it a digital twin of software of a certain building or entity. We need to know what was the state of the software, what kind of, and, and for that we need completely different new mechanisms to update and patch. For example, we are using particular parts of the blockchain to immutable record what was the state of a certain device um, in terms of the update and the firmware is running on it. And we need that even for bigger entities like buildings as well, or certain cities or a smart city or whatever. I mean, this is getting really critical. And by that, it's yeah. rather clear that you can't manually patch anymore. It's, it's really way. fascinating what you're saying, because, you know, if you think about it, I've got my phone, I go to the store, whether it's the I, I, you know, iTunes or the Apple app store or on Google, and I download an app. Well, if it comes from the app store, presumably it's gone through a certain vetting process. But if I download it off some third party website, all bets are off. So what I'm hearing you say is that with regards to these um, patching mechanisms, if you let their IT guy um, just download a patch and install it, they may not even be installing a patch. They may be installing a compromise patch. Exactly. What we need is a kind of, what we need is a trust, we need really a chain of trust. And the chain of trust is like from the publisher of the patch, which is the vendor, for example, of the device, up to the completely trusted way that this device has been delivered. This firmware has been delivered to a certain device or this patch, and it has been applied to a certain device. And only with this completely chain of trust, uh, we have the possibility in terms of liability to find out on an accident what device was causing the accident. Um, Mirko, this is a really fascinating conversation that we're having. And I understand that um, at Ashwin, uh, that's the work that you uh, specialize in. How did you get started in all this? Well, it's like always, it starts with a personal story. I mean, I'm a geek nerd and I'm a father. So what I'm doing is just, um, if I, for example, if I see smart toys, I, I love smart toys. And actually I'm buying the smart toys. <laughs> For yourself? Uh, yes, uh, but I play with my daughter. Uh, but my daughter is 11 years old. So if you take, for example, smart toys, smart toys are for me a rather sensitive area because a lot of toys we have, they have cameras, they have microphones, uh, they have uh, 
connectivity, they have interaction, you can't just talk to the toy, it gives you an answer and stuff like that. Um, so they are quite privacy and data sensitive products and even they are part of the room of my daughter, so of a really private area. And by that I'm rather aware of this kind of IoT products, are they secure, are they not secure? And all what I want to have is that my daughter has the ability to grow up in a world where she knows that the products she is using and the products which are around her are secure, that they're not intruding into her privacy, that they're not leaking their data, that they are not uh, even are, are exposing her to any threats. That's my personal personal yeah, motivation. As a parent, that would be my first. As a parent. And now she is 11. And just think about when she will be 20, what kind of world she will live. I mean, this is a fully connected world. So, yeah, even that's my motivation. Just I want to see my kid growing up in a world which is safe and secure towards the product security in IoT. Wonderful. So, Merica, how do people connect with you? Well, we have a website, which is ashwin.io. And of course, you can find me on social media, you know, on LinkedIn, Mirko Ross, or on Twitter, Mirko underscore Ross. And yeah, just drop me a message. Now, for those of us that are from the Western half of the world where we don't know how to spell Ashwin, how is it spelled? <laughs> well, it's A-S-V-I-N dot I-O. A-S-V-I-N. That I, the first time I read that, I called it Asvin. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Excellent. Mirko, uh, I'm, I'm going to put that information in the show notes so people can click on it and get right to you. Yes, this will be great. Mirko, do you have any parting words of wisdom that you'd like to share with the audience? <laughs> oh, no. It's like... Let's come back to the name where we have called the company in that name. And um, Aswin or Ashwin is from Sanskrit. And these are the healer of gods. They are twins, even godlike twins. And they are the healer of gods. And now if we think about IoT vendors, many IoT vendors are godlike. We think they are getting sick and ill. And then we are there, the healer of gods. Beautiful. Mirko, thank you so much for sharing your time and your wisdom. I really enjoyed having you on the show. Yeah, thank you very much.